yes, you may have fantastic idea, but if you don't have the team to be alongside with you and execute it, even a great idea will not will not materialize. Especially nowadays, you can't do it alone. Finding the right people and work with them as one really tiny team to get to the goal we all have. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host Alex Thuma and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution show, Jeffrey Tiong. Uh, CEO of Patsnap. Welcome, Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Good to have you here. You recently spoke at SaaStock Remotes. Um, uh, I think that was last month, uh, speaking at the first SaaStock conference. And uh, today uh, I'm speaking to you and you're, you're in a hotel room in China. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and uh, tell the audience a, a little bit more about that, because you, usually you're based in Singapore, uh, if that's correct. Before COVID-19 hit, I, I literally uh, live on a plane. So last year, for example, I traveled to London every other week. So one week in London, one week in China. So that is kind of my schedule last week. And, um, since COVID-19 hit, I have been stay put in Singapore for the first six months of this year. And recently, I just uh, came, came to China. Very cool. Still never been, but... Uh... Uh, one day, I'm sure I'll uh, I'll tick tick that box. So, Jeffrey, um, you you know, why don't we uh, get into it and like, tell us a little bit about, uh, about who you are, uh, and then uh, a little bit about PatSnap uh, as well. Yes. So uh, my name is Jeffrey Tiong. I started PatSnap straight after I graduated from college many years ago. Um, uh, my background is biomedical engineer. And during my time, uh, uh, because of this background, I got involved in a medical device startup. And in a med tech company, it is all about intellectual property. And that is also how I, I got um, exposed to the importance of um, patents, uh, intellectual properties. And after I graduated from National University of Singapore, I started PASNAP. PASNAP is an um, innovation intelligence company. What we do, we help. Um, R&D department, as well as the IP department of a corporation to identify technological opportunities that will impact their business uh, decision. So, uh, for example, through our platform, they can identify startup that they can partner with or, or uh, university professor who may have the technology that they can collaborate with or as well as what their competitors' technology landscape is. So that is the, the power of our platform. And currently we have um, close to 10,000 customers globally. And PestNet, we have operation in Singapore, in um, Shanghai, Beijing, Shenzhen in China, as well as in London, uh, Toronto, and Japan. Very cool. Uh, how many uh, employees? Is something uh, more than 700? Is, is that right? Yes, uh, we have about 750 employees globally now. You've gone down the venture capital uh, sort of route. Um, how much have you raised uh, to date? Uh, we raised our Series A in 2014. Uh, since then, we have raised Series B, Series C, and Series D, altogether about $100 million US. Okay. And do you have co-founders or are you a solo founder? 
I started uh, PestNet uh, myself, but in uh, after a year, a year or two after that, uh, we have a few partner uh, join uh, PestNet, and now we have been working together for almost 10 years now. Okay, awesome, good stuff. Well, I, I, read, I read recently in, um, in Peak Magazine before this, uh, this call uh, about you winning uh, Ernst Young Entrepreneur of the Year, so congrats uh, for that. And it describes you as an introverted leader. Mm. So as an introvert, you know, I'm curious to know like, uh, how you lead or have led you know, a company of 700, you know, more than 700 uh, you know, employees globally. Um, you know, was that a challenge? Definitely. I'm a trained engineer with an engineering background. Um, that's why I'm more analytical, more thinking, and uh, as well as introvert as well. So definitely uh, along this entrepreneurship journey, uh, it, it definitely shaped me a lot um, um, along the years because as a, as a founder, entrepreneur, a lot of time you have to convince, for example, investor why they should invest in PestNet as well as you have to attract talent to join your team. And it is all about people. So, and um, I guess just um, over the years, I, I guess I truly believe in the mission of what PestNet does. And because of my passion in this business and my adaptability in, in keep growing myself as well, internally, we promote um, a mindset called growth mindset. So I, looking back at my last um, uh, couple years of my entrepreneurship journey, um, I will really uh, strong testifier of uh, for the growth mindset. I think a lot of uh, because I keep pushing myself a lot of time to grow, and part of it being from a more introvert person to a more extrovert person that uh, can do public speaking, can be in a, a public setting and and talk to the audience. I think that definitely um, also something that I've evolved myself to over the years. Touching on the, um, I, I love the growth mindset philosophy as such, but touching on the public speaking part, you know, speaking to 700 people, even 70 people, sometimes even seven people, certainly like as an introvert will be, you know, can be quite difficult, even I think perhaps for, for, for non-introverts, right? Just that public speaking is, is very challenging. So for you, what, what sort of helped you, uh, you know, get better at that? I guess you've got to do it all the time, right? Being the CEO of the company, but, you know, it's probably on a weekly basis. What did you find, if anything, that, that sort of helped you really kind of speak to large audiences and your, your employees? When I first started, definitely, I still remember my, in my entrepreneurship journey so far, my first public speaking experience was in front of an audience of three, four hundred in a lecture theater um, in, um, and I have to pitch to a panel of VC and three, 400 audience. For that particular presentation, I practiced for a month. So I think definitely initially is through practice, but over, over the years, because I am my, I work in, uh, on PestNet seven by 24, every day is, this is what I live and breathe. It become part of me. And when that become part of me, when I talk about it, it just naturally flow out from my, uh, from from it and through it. So that's that is how I nowadays. When of course when every and people ask me about PestNap, what I think about PestNap, the vision, it just nature it become part of me now. Definitely, uh, many founders resonate with that. So you founded PestNap in Asia um, and it's now offices across the world, as, uh, as you mentioned earlier. 
if you're founding a, a SaaS company in Asia, perhaps any company, but specifically SaaS, do you need to be global from day one? Or did you have that global kind of mindset from day one? I would say definitely starting a SaaS company in Asia, especially maybe when I first started Peston almost more than 10 years ago, the SaaS term wasn't even, didn't even exist back then. So it's definitely uh, a lot of people do not understand how this, um, this business works. Over the years, I think this SaaS getting more and more common started from, from US, from the Bay Area, and now, of course, uh, around the world. So when I first started, definitely um, it's, it's, it's not easy. But I would say just especially even the, in Asia, it wasn't even mature. So um, I would say from day one, it's good to have that global uh, mindset, that global um, market in mind. But to be frank, when I look back, a lot of things, how, how, how it happened with PestNet that we have uh, operation around the world, a lot of, a lot, most of it also is uh, by serendipity. Like for example, I met my partner in a, my, my UK partner in a, in a conference in US and we chat and then we, we feel like, hey, we can do something together. And he went back to London and started an operation on that. Uh, same, similar for our many uh, other operations as well. One of our early team member in, in London, uh, he wanted to go to Toronto um, and, and then we say, hey, we should have an office in US as well. And there, there goes, we have a Toronto office. So when I look back my own journey, yes, it's true that I would like to have a global business, but how it actually happened a lot of times is by, by serendipity as well. How have you gone about scaling the business then scaling global markets um, be interesting to know so like when did you uh, you know first start to to enter the different markets uh, and and how you've gotten to, to this point now yes um it is not easy especially um we have um people from all walks of life i think at last count pestnet we have more than 30 nationality out of the 700 plus people um, and the culture in, in Asia, for example, in China, is quite different from our London office and also very different to our uh, North American office as well. So um, I think I, it, it took me a, a long time as well to, to really uh, truly appreciate the difference in, in the culture. But at the same time, there is also commonalities. There is, I think, every, everyone... Uh, be it from different backgrounds, they all need, I would say especially nowadays working with a lot of millennials, they all wanted to feel um, meaning in, in what they do, the, the mission of, of, of the company. And, and also everyone from all, all walks of life, they all also wanted good recognition, acknowledgement. Um, so all this, I would say also the common thing in, in, even in different countries. But uh, ultimately, I mean, for, for me, one thing that work across different regions, different culture is how do, how do we build an environment, a culture that um, everyone come to work, they can just focus on uh, performing. And uh, the environment, the type of values we encourage is also what they believe in and, and they bought into it. And that, that, that's why from day one is very important when we recruit um, people to our company, we make it very clear, these are the values we treasure. Uh, there's no 
good or bad values. It's just uh, whether do we share the same values or do we believe in the same values. I think that's already the 50% of the better. If we can find people who truly share your values and believe in your mission, then I think um, um, be it if you, are, if you are in London or in US or in China, I think it doesn't matter. Ultimately, people then work towards the same goal. Were there any challenges in, in raising venture capital? Uh, I, uh, I, I don't know, um, how long was it until you raised that first sort of seed round from when you, you first had the idea, I guess, kind of first of all, and then being in, in, in China, um, you know, raising venture capital 10 years ago, any challenges uh, uh, around that or, or, or was it quite easy? Was the venture capital scene, uh, you know, very strong? Different time uh different stage as well so when we try to raise our series a funding in 2014 back then uh from in singapore uh, i will say it's, it's hard back then the vc environment the fundraising environment wasn't as established so we actually i remember um i we actually have to flew around the world to silicon valley to london to uh germany to pitch to investor but um, it's hard because why would an investor who based out of Silicon Valley invest in a company based out of Singapore? And that was tough. Eventually, um, we found an investor uh, in Singapore who, who believed in us and still with us. And our Series B actually raised from the Bay Area. Um, also by, by serendipity, we were actually um, uh, looking for an office in the Bay Area in SF and, uh, and through, the, through the actually real estate agent and um, her boyfriend working in, in this firm <laughs> and somehow we, we get to know each other and, and, we, uh, and then after a long due diligence process, then we got our uh, Series B investor based out of the Bay Area. And our Series C, it was in 2016, was from China. So also through um, referral, we met uh, our investor in, in Series C and, um, and things happened. So looking back, my, my journey of fundraising um, is also a lot of luck. Of course, we also need to, uh, all the investors actually have done a very um, strict due diligence on us. We, we still uh, show good growth, but um, many factors at play. On uh, Ultimately, we managed to raise um, money from our investor and build a good relationship with them as well. So... You, you've now, uh, you know, raised, uh, you know, 50, uh, 51 million. Last round was a Series D with Sequoia. Uh, I think it's the lead investor. So there's a lot of experience there. And you mentioned a bit of serendipities, um, you, you know, a bit, a bit of luck. Obviously, you know, great growth and, uh, you know, great uh, sort of company performance uh, means that you're getting that, that backing, right? Um, uh, certainly founders uh, can't rely on, uh, on luck for sure. Um, Beyond, um, I, I guess, kind of what you've shared, you know, what are, what are your kind of key lessons and the reasons why, you know, um, th these VCs invested, you know, in, in PatSnap? Be keen to learn a, a little bit more about that. Yes. I think all the investors, definitely first, they look at the market. It has to be a huge market because if the market is huge enough, then you have the potential to capture even um, a slice of it and still be a valuable company. So I will say the, the market size, the market potential is, is important. It's the second uh, reason um, is on the 
people on the team. So ultimately, yes, there may be a huge opportunity, but can this team capture this opportunity or there may be someone else, uh, some, some other team best position or more experience or more entrepreneurial to capture this market. So the team configuration, the founder and, and the founding team, that, that I think it, is, it plays a, a very important role in this. Then the third one, of course, uh, then whether you have a good product market fit, whether your product have something that is differentiating, your product have some unique uh, value proposition that some your competitors uh, do not have. I, I will say it boils down to this uh, few reasons um, as far as I understand when an investor evaluating whether to invest in your company. What, what are like one or two of the, the sort of key lessons in, in, in scaling PatSnap over the last 11 years that you can share? I'm, I'm sure you've had hundreds of lessons, right? But uh, a, a couple of the, the, the key ones that, that you can share to our audience. I'll, if to pick one, I will say it's all about the people. It's all about the people. Yes, you may have a fantastic idea, but if you don't have the team, to be alongside with you and execute it, it even a great idea will not will not materialize. Especially nowadays, a lot of things you can you can't do it alone. And, and I will say a lot of founder, including myself, we went through that stage that when we were small, just a couple of us, the founder do a lot of things, very hands-on, um, try to be involved in in as many things as, as possible. But as the organization slowly grows. I think I find that my role keep changing. Um, my role has evolved. It's, um, and the, one of the most important tasks or thing that I can do for the business is build a great team and uh, work with the team to execute whatever plan we have, to execute whatever vision we have. So my own uh, takeaway is all about finding the right people, uh, working with them, um, in a in a building an environment, a culture that everyone enjoy working together, have that trust. I think all this plays a part. But ultimately, coming come 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 back to finding the right people and work with them as one um, really tiny team to to get to the goal we all have. Yeah, totally agree. And and, and um, so we asked about the last eleven years sort of key lessons, but obviously recently this year has been. Very different for, for, for everybody, uh, you know, globally, um, because of the, the, the pandemic. And uh, you know, so what, what I'd like to sort of like learn from from you or hear from you about, you know, some of the, te- the the lessons that perhaps you've learned, you know, over the last sort of few months. Perhaps something, you know, things that have changed and things that you've learned in running the company over the last uh, few months. Yes, I think this uh, global pandemic definitely is a is a big change. It also introduced a lot of uncertainties to to everyone, even in fact uh, up until now. One thing I will say, looking back the last few months, and for me, even I I kind I sort of watched the movie twice because we have China operation. The pandemic first hit China end end of January, so we first experienced this uh, pandemic in our China operation in Q1, February March, and once after that, then the the West start hit by the pandemic as well, starting like late March, April uh, until now. So I kind of experienced this in two waves, first in Asia and then in the West. Uh, I will say a few things I learned. First, we act fast. We act fast We and over-communicate. 
when it first happened in, in China, I still remember there was the Chinese Lunar New Year. Everyone was at home uh, on, on holiday. And uh, we actually quickly reassemble what I call a war room with all the key leaders. And every day we talk, uh, we communicate and see what is the best um, of plan to go about. Uh, how do we ensure all our employees are safe? Uh, what is next step? So we, we communicate every day. And we also communicate with the wider team um, very, very frequent. Because when everyone is very uncertain out there and they all have to stay at home, have to work from home, people start feeling more anxious. And one way to kind of minimize that is over-communicate, to keep telling them what is going on um, in, the, in the whole company, what we are trying to do, and maybe we do not have a solution yet, but this is what we are planning to do to figure out what the solution is. So just over-communicate and make sure uh, every one of them in the company, they feel part of it, they feel uh, included, and they feel um, rest assured. So that is, I think, one thing we learned. Second thing also, I think we just have to adapt because things change and um, change, personally, uh, uh, I believe change is the only constant. So when this pandemic hit, obviously it, it impact the business. So um, we, we, we brainstorm and we see how, how what we can change to kind of still, still help our customer and uh, the business can still continue. And one, one thing uh, that helped us a lot is we have decided to free all our product, to make all our product and services for free during the, the pandemic uh, time. So uh, for the first quarter, uh, China got hit by pandemic. We decided to free all our product in Q1 in China. And then in Q2, we did the same thing for our uh, West Western customer. And uh, because of this, I think it, it first of all, it really, our customer really appreciate that. And because of that, I think it helped us to build a lot of uh, pipeline, sales pipeline, good goodwill, good leads, and therefore we can still uh, continue to, to serve our customer. I mean, but it's just one example on how we adapt ourselves to this new environment and, and adapt fast. So that I think um, the, the second thing I learned uh, from the last few months um, pandemic. You said at the beginning of the, the, the show that your life, before the pandemic, you, you used to live on a plane, like flying across uh, the world. So let's imagine in 2021 that, you know, there's a vaccine and, uh, you know, the pandemic is over, no, no more infections and life is back to, to normal. Uh, do you see yourself getting back and living on a plane? Or do you see that this is this change, what's happened, will perhaps sort of change the way uh, that you live as a, as a CEO? I think... It will change. Uh, it will be a new norm. Because now, um, because of pandemic, everyone start appreciating, hey, you can, there is a different way of uh, work, work from anywhere, work from home. And we have also made the decision that for our uh, officers in London, in Toronto, uh, we will be 80% working from home. So uh, moving forward. So uh, in fact, we have uh, a lot of benefits from that. So for our, for example, our London office, a lot of our colleagues have to commute almost on average three hours per day. And because of, of this, I think everyone is much more effective. But of course, at the same time, everyone working from home, it introduced new 
new sets of challenge as well. How do we engage everyone, even though everyone is uh, do not meet um do not meet each other face to face? So it introduced new set of uh, challenges, but I believe it, it can be solved. So because of uh, this pandemic, in working from home, spending more time with your family while still can be productive, I think that will be a new norm. And therefore, I will foresee even let's say next year, once this uh, whole pandemic um, um, kind of uh, dies out, I think the way how we work or the way how I work, it will be different. And we always ask our guests at the end like how they stay healthy and sane. Um, as you're leading a, you know, a global company, 700 plus people, how do you stay healthy and sane? Yeah, definitely uh, family support is key. I, I'm fortunate that I have a very strong family support. Um, I have three kids, four years old, two years old, and three months old. Wow. So and uh, and at the same time while running this uh, uh, global organization, and I will not be able to do that without the strong support from my family. I think that that definitely is one. The second one is um, I think everyone have different way of um, deal with the the stress. For me, I exercise. When I ex after exercise, I just feel feel more refreshed and and start um start the better again. Um, and the third one is just uh, always remember the mission and why 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 started uh, Pestnet and what we are doing the meaningful work we are doing helping our customer around the world to innovate better. So I think these are at least uh, my own personal experience on how to stay healthy and stay sane. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks so much for being a guest today, uh, Jeffrey, uh, on, on the SaaS Revolution Show. I really appreciate appreciate you taking the time. Hope you stay safe and enjoy uh, your, your, your rest of the time in, uh, in Shanghai. No problem. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for the, the interview as well. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world.